We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast and Newcastle were humbled by Luton Town yesterday in the Premier League in a 1-0 defeat to put us all in a great mood before Christmas. <laughs> and I'm Alex, I have Simon Shaw and Adam Cleary here with me today to talk to you about what happened and why. Uh, we're on Patreon, give yourself a small Christmas gift <laughs> before the big day. Join us on Patreon between three and eight pounds a month. We'd love to have you along with us as we build up to Forest and then uh, quite frankly, ludicrous January in terms of size of fixture for Newcastle United. So we'd love to have you along with us. Charlotte, we've been having a conversation. We've been kind of having a conversation about how you feel. Mm. And I think you need to tell the listeners how you feel about this defeat because some people are angry, some people are desolate, some people are shrugging their shoulders. Where are you desolate. in this range of emotions? Um, firstly, all emotions are valid. So whatever anybody's <laughs> feeling, that's fine. Um, I'm very disappointed. I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit sad about it. I, I don't... There's, you sort of there's an there's an instinct to anger, isn't there? There's an instinct to like, for fuck's sake, like what the fuck is going on? Um, but I don't think that does anything for me. Like I I, I can't um, turn that into anything um, productive or constructive for myself as a fan. So that kind of goes away quite quickly for me. And then it's just kind of disappointment. And it's you know I do believe that this team of players really really wants to do well. You look at Bruno's completely dramatic. Um, response when he hits the crossbar like he he's just he they want to win they want to be doing well and it's not clicking at the moment and it's not working and we'll get into that and and sort of how we feel our response to that has been but I don't think being angry with them at the moment or the management is 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 helpful to me so mostly just disappointment a bit sad and a bit like I guess just like despondent, like throw my hands up in the air and be like, "What the hell is the answer?" Adam, same question. Me, how did you react yesterday? Yeah, like I mean, it was it was minging to watch. It was an awful performance. <laughs> I was really like disappointed that we had such a good opportunity to get back on track and to you know fix this away problem we've got, and the performance wasn't anywhere near good enough. And there was nothing really positive to take from that game at all, other than it's just another fixture out the way, close at the players being fit. But like again. I can't get particularly angry with any of the players. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about, oh, this isn't good enough and that's not good enough and how's done this and how's done that. And you can sort of feel like the, the conversation starting to turn in quite a sort of poisonous direction. And I just, I just don't share any of that whatsoever. Like, we know, there's very obvious reasons why things aren't going well. And I know people are bored of hearing them and they want to hear solutions rather than just people going, oh, they're tired, oh, there's injuries on all this. But I like, think there's... 
it's just, it's true. Like, that's a group of players who are absolutely on the floor and can't do what it is they were doing last season that's so consistently brought results. Like, we haven't, it's not the, the bodies we've lost that have been a problem. It's like the system. Like, we're so intense in everything we do and we worked so much harder than everybody else. And when you haven't got the energy levels and the ability to freshen up, we, the, you lose that. And because we don't have that, we are liable to go away to teams like Luton who are going to outwork us and lose games. And like, I saw people saying, like, oh, this is me Christmas ruined. We're seventh. <laughs> We're like two wins, like a runaway from like being back in the Champions League contention. Like, ha- like it's just not the end of the world. It's just a bad game. Well, it's ruined Christmas. Um, we, I, I will say though, that I, I like that Eddie Howe came out and said that first, certainly in the first half, we just weren't good enough. Yeah. Because at least it's not, it's not offering solutions and it's not, you know, but it, it, an acknowledgement is at least like, Something it 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 wasn't like that we're that we're tired we're missing whatever it's just we we weren't good enough and I, that, there's something in that for me. I think angry is probably the wrong word, isn't it? Although if you'd asked if we'd done this podcast immediately after the game, you probably got a very angry reaction because I was really annoyed uh, and it, it, it's hard, as Charlotte says, to work out how to focus that anger because you kind of don't want to be angry at the players, you don't want to be angry at Eddie Howe. Um, all the stuff we've been saying that Adam's just said for weeks, like fatigue and injuries and, and the fixture list being unkind, that hasn't changed. So. We can't fully change our tune, but I was frustrated yesterday and I thought, you know, tactically he tried to change things and in-game managed it and, and, you know, we'll get into that. But I thought most of yesterday's performance was put down to they wanted it more. And I'm I'm less forgiving about that. I'm less forgiving about that. Yes, we knew we were going to Luton. We knew they're hardworking. We knew that their home ground and their home crowd gets them up for it. And we knew going into that game it was going to be quite a physical, difficult encounter. I just felt like there was a real lack of... um, and yeah, maybe it is fatigue, but I just thought they really wanted it. And those times when you were watching us, just it didn't feel like we were trying. And even if they're tired, I thought the effort dropped off yesterday. And I think Eddie Howe alluded to that in his comments. It wasn't so much about the tactical or mistake making. It was more he, he seemed to think that um, the attitude was wrong. And I, I would agree in the first half, especially with the attitude was all wrong. And to, to be honest, up to about 60, 70 minutes, the attitude was wrong. And then we sort of started to try a bit. But I can forgive all the other stuff that you've just said, Anne, but I thought the effort level was different yesterday. And that's the first time I've seen this team Perceived, perceivingly, perceivingly, perceivedly. It's the first time I've perceived this team as not seeming to try as hard as they can, and that was that was hard. And, and angry is probably not the right word, but I was really frustrated, especially at full time. Interesting. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for sharing. Thank you um, for giving us a safe space. <laughs> I am, uh, I, I, I'm probably more down about it all. I, I think that Newcastle have now uh, won one of nine away games in the Premier League, picked up five points from nine away games in the Premier League. That is, regardless of fatigue and regardless of injuries, that is an underperformance of the yeah. resources available at Howe's disposal. For the first time, really, you could say that since he's come in, there are aspects to the performance that we'll, that we'll get into which are, which are worrying. But I think the most concerning thing is Newcastle are consistently getting outrun and outfought in these away games against poorer sides than them but they're also kind of lucky to lose by what they lose by. So they're lucky to just lose by two at Bournemouth. Spurs could and should have scored more than four. And that'll happen at Spurs. Spurs, Spurs will do a decent side, four, five, six at home this season again. They're, they're a good team. Um, Luton should have won by more yesterday. Everton, even though that was a tight game until late on, you know, Dominic, Dominic Calvin Lewin misses an open goal before that. So I, I think Newcastle are, are really struggling, but they're also kind of getting fortunate to just... To, 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 the games should be a lot more messy scoreline-wise than they are. And the most frustrating aspect isn't that it happens, it's that you can see it coming. So 
when we did the preview for this show on Thursday night, we all talked about a draw. Is a draw a good result? And you kind of come to the conclusion, Newcastle's resource difference is so much bigger to Luton <clears throat> that really whoever they can put out at whatever level should be going there and winning. But there is an aspect to this, this away form that we're talking about, and not just the form, but the performances, where if you, if you can go and stop the rot, if you can go and get a point and get in the forest and then go into Liverpool with four, um, that might be okay. But instead, what we saw was the same old wide-open football and Eddie Howe seemingly not having any answers. And we'll talk about the changes later on. But it's not a good thing changing your formation after 37 and, and, and dragging off a player who's 17. It's not a good thing. It's a, it, it's, a, it's a panic button. And you have to ask yourself, why any Castle United and anyhow hitting the panic button in the 37th minute against Luton with that away performance? And, you know, I'll disagree with you slightly, Charlotte, about it's good to hear him come out because if he thinks that the, the first half was the issue, he's wrong. The second well, that- half is the issue as well. He, 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 has been, he has been at pains to say, he doesn't think we have a problem with our away form. And what he says ultimately might not matter to the public because he tries to give away as little as possible. But Craig Hope, a friend of the show, told us that a couple of weeks ago, he put to Eddie Howe, you look like a different team uh, away from home to at home, which, again, I would, I would agree with wholeheartedly. And Eddie Howe said he, he didn't like that question. He didn't agree at all. Well, okay, that's concerning to hear when we keep say, seeing the same performance over and over again, the same issues. There isn't an easier team to create a chance against at the minute away from home than Newcastle United. If you want to get the ball to the edge of Newcastle United's box, they ain't going to stop you. No one's going to take the ball off you. And I stood in the away end and AC Milan and saw AC Milan's two wingers basically realise, don't go up the outside, pick up the ball and drive inside, you'll get to the edge of the box, no one is going to stop you. Luton, Luton Town's wingers do the same, and it's kind of harder to understand and accept as a fan when it's Luton Town and Andros Townsend who couldn't get a club until September able to cause you such damage and does still not have a problem. And the season is in danger of falling off a bit. Now, I think Newcastle are a really good side. I think, I think you know, Newcastle play Manchester City on the 13th of September, um, January, <laughs> and provided we have a few more players. But I think Newcastle will win that game because at home, they're better than anybody. The drop-off away from home is something I've never really seen in football before. How good they are at home to how good they are away. And it has to be explained more than tiredness, fatigue, lack of players. Because if, Adam, I'll put it to you, if Newcastle were playing Luton Town at home yesterday, I don't think Newcastle would have been outrun. I don't think they'd been outfought. I don't think all of the things that you've kind of articulated would have happened. And as a fan, I think, and as a podcast, definitely, because we're supposed to do this for you people listening, we should ask why and how. I think when you talk about sort of the intensity that really did define who we were last season, that's it. Just it's not there at all, especially in the away games. But I watched the Fulham game and we looked fairly leggy and not really at the races until we got that first goal. And then obviously that lifts the team. And like, I know people sort of like, it's very hard to put your finger on and you can't, you can't measure it. But that mental tiredness, once teams start outworking you, it can become a bit of a, a, a you know, weight around your neck and it makes it harder and harder to, to make things work. I think there's an element with this where we talk about sort of the resources at our disposal and, you know, we should be beating to these teams and that, you know, we come on, we all talk about when we get these Champions League games and we can't stop patting ourselves on the back for like, how many of these players were under Steve Bruce? How many of these players were the previous administration? Look what a job Eddie Howe's done. You know, six or seven of them were getting talked about for getting relegated. And then we have a bad run and we're relying on the same 11 players and some of them are from that same sort of pool and we're like, well, we've got these great resources. Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? 
I don't really think we can have it both ways. Like we can't sort of bask in the fact that we're so ahead of schedule for being a work in progress. And then when things go wrong, start pointing fingers and saying, well, we should do this, we should do that. And just on the point before about uh, Eddie disagreeing with that journalist, um, you have to say that. Like if, if a journalist says you, you're, yeah, a, you're, you're, right, a much, yeah. you're a much worse team away from home, you're a different side, what's the problem? You can't go, hey, do you know what we are? Yeah, because all of a sudden then it, that becomes a thing. And how long ago did he ask? Was it a couple of weeks ago? Maybe it was before Fulham, possibly. Before Fulham. Yeah. If we'd gone to Luton and won, the sort of question sort of gets, and I'm sure he's preparing the team, he's expecting to go to Luton and win. You've kind of not got to let that become a thing because if you sort of acknowledge it and agree to it, that gets back to the players. Then all of a sudden, it's the defining sort of conversation in the, in the press and the build-up. I guarantee you, if Jurgen Klopp could take back saying people should give their tickets to people who are more up for the match, he would do that in a heartbeat. Like you've got to, you, you've got to be really sort of well managed and not really give much away in those situations. So I don't think it's that Eddie Howe doesn't see that problem or doesn't agree with it. I'm sure he's as aware of it as anybody, but I, I, I just. I don't know what the answer is. I just look at who we were last season and how we played. And it was just, we worked everybody off the pitch. And I just don't think we're able to do that at the minute. I think as well, last season, we surprised everybody. And we're not surprising anybody now. Like, we've we've had a season of playing in that way. And it was pretty much, it was pretty much the same starting eleven. It was pretty much the same style of play for almost every single game. That now, that's not a surprise. The athleticism that our players demonstrated last season, it's not a surprise. Other teams are wising up to that. Other teams, Luton are a pretty athletic team. Um, they drop, off, they sort of tend to drop off after about 70, 75 minutes, but they can they can sort of put a lot of intensity into that first two thirds of the game, in a way. And and it's it is it has to be that that style of play, not just Luton but other teams, has to be a response to Newcastle's sort of um, ahead of schedule-ness of last season and what we managed to achieve. Um, and I just think I think looking at our team. It's sort of what you're saying, Alex. It's like we, we don't have an answer to that. It's like other other teams kind of have lifted themselves up or have responded to how we play, and we don't have a creative solution. The only thing is, we're not really playing like we did last yeah, season, that's and true. there's reasons for it. All the reasons we've said are still valid, and yet you know we, we don't press teams. All this stuff about that you've said, Alex, about them them getting through is like a knife through butter. It's, oh, it's we're, very so, true. we're so different off the ball. We, this we, year, yeah. we used to keep teams in their own half. It used to be very hard to get through our lines, and and it's different this season now. I've just had a quick look at our fixture list. Pretty much every one of these away games has come after a Champions League game or a midweek game. You know, the fixture list has been really unkind. Pretty much every Champions League game was followed by an away trip. You know, we've been to London three times in the last, like, 20 days. Those those are difficult things to do as a football team, the travel involved and everything else. So there's, there's lots of caveats and reasons you can put it down to. It's just worrying that it's come off the back of other away performances as well. So it's compounded and it looks worse than it probably is, which is maybe why Eddie Howe's trying to defend the position and, and trying to say it's not as big a problem as it is. But... We are not playing like we did last season and we did, you know, add to the squad that we were supposed to be able to manage this and we're not and it's, that's the concern. Yesterday was another day where uh, not a single summer transfer window player started the game. Yeah. That's, that's very difficult to accept when, when you talk about transfer window conversations. That's not how most clubs or position most clubs would want to be in where you have this big financial outlay and the Tenali stuff is is separate but... That can't have been the plan. That w- that wasn't the plan to, to be playing games in December in a month where you have ten games in thirty days and not play a single signing from the summer. I suppose we have to finish this section and, and move on. But what what I will say is, you all make complete sense, and there are there are there are like you say good reasons to to, to what is happening in front of us. The concern for me, I suppose, from a, an Eddie Howe perspective, and a concern for him, 
is he doesn't seem to have been able to change things to mitigate for himself and his team though the these extreme situations so can Newcastle go to Luton and get a draw is something that that, that that's a question that haunts me a little bit because I could see Newcastle going to Luton and still winning 4-0 I could see that happening if, if Callum yeah. Wilson takes his chance yesterday mm-hmm. Newcastle get on top and Newcastle hit them with a counter-attack I think Newcastle can win 4-0 I can see and, and, and probably should have predicted more what actually happened but what maybe I can't see is Newcastle going in managing the fuck out of the game thinking we're, we're knackered here we, we need to approach the game in a slightly different manner to maximise our ability to minimise what Luton are good at and playing a wide open end-to-end game which it was at nil-nil is not the, is not the way that you're mm. going to get a nil-nil draw at that game now I'm not saying Newcastle should have gone and got a draw of that game but if you can't win and these guys would know in the dressing room we're knackered we can't play with the intensity if you can't do what you plan to do surely a little bit of change in the game plan or change in the way you plan to manage the game might be up to it like I said it's not just that they're losing these games, it's that they're losing these games and they're lucky to lose them by what they do. Mm. Is it, it, One win out of nine and five points out of nine, it's not just uh, different to last season, it's, it's, it, like it, it's a completely different team almost because last season was built on defensive solidity and, and away from home anyway, it's just gone. And I suppose that the next, the next three away games are Liverpool, Sunderland and Villa. And <laughs> the, how Great. is going to have to come up with some answers because we cannot go to those fixtures and play it it's, it's simple we cannot play like we've played in the last five away games in the league at those fixtures or, or, or the or the, <laughs> the the online noise will become a reality because it doesn't matter how popular you are and how is popular and he's still the right man to take us forward there's not many would survive hammerings in those games and, and, and those sides have the quality a son on the side which is more <laughs> of an emotional thing um to, to actually get what they deserve from games, unlike the sides who are at the bottom of the league who, who are kind of known for missing chances. We're going to leave it there, though, for part one of the show. Uh, there's a couple of adverts coming up. If you don't want to hear them, it's only £3 a month in Patreon for these free podcasts, advertisement-free. Back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We'll start part two of the show by talking about how the Newcastle United supporting world has reacted to this uh, this kind of damaging defeat. Adam, what's your take, mate? <laughs> um, I, I never really understand it, me. Like, whenever we get quite het up about stuff. Like, it's anybody can react out to it however they want. If you want to get very mad online, if that's how you want to spend your time, like, you are more than welcome <laughs> to. Feel free. But just... Some of the responses I saw at the game yesterday, it was like the end of the world and we've got to start asking questions about the management and these this player's not good enough and that player's not good enough. And it's just, I know I said it before, but we're seventh. We're having a rotten, rotten away run. But it's very easy to sort of look at what's happening with the squad and with the club. You know, we, we spent big money on two players, one of whom's been injured all season and one of whom's been banned finally after he got into the side. We, we don't have the intensity that was defining our style of play. We can't press teams. We don't. We can't work off the ball. And it's nobody's fault. It's like such an absurdly unfortunate run of events. You know, we've ended up like, was it the softball team they've got in The Simpsons? Where it's like, oh, what, one misfortune is possible. Three misfortunes, but nine separate yeah. misfortunes. Like that's, that's us. We've got Homer at the bat in away games. And we're wondering why Luton are outrunning her. It's just, I don't think there's any sort of reason to sort of look at this and get overly, con- like it sucks. It's been really bad, but we were so fortunate last year with the players we were able to keep fit. We had a very sort of kind schedule that the teams were competing with. They were playing week in, week out, midweek here and there. And we were turning up every single week, same back five, virtually never missing anybody in the midfield. Wilson and Isak were getting injured at separate times to each other. We virtually never missed the pair of them. As soon as one picked up a strain, the other one was coming back in. And when you've got that sort of perfect circumstantial situation... We looked amazing. And even later on in the season, when teams started figuring us out, Eddie changed the approach ever so slightly, adapted it quite well. We came out of a slump and we really pushed on, had a great run to the end of the season. And that hasn't been possible this year for so many separate reasons. And we're still seventh. Like, barring an absolutely outrageous refereeing decision, we'd still be in Europe. If we'd got, if we'd got a point to PSG, we'd still be in the Europa League right mm-hmm. now. We'd be saying how great that was. Barring an app, like Kieran Trippier's brain falling out at the end against Chelsea, would still be in the Carabao Cup. Like, the problems we're having now, is if we sort of objectively take a step back and we're like, we're out, the, we're out of Europe and we're out of the competitions and the season's falling apart, it's not because we haven't deserved to get something there. It's just we've been, again, so incredibly unfortunate. And I just, I, I worry people are looking at this misfortune and not, wanting to accept that these things just happen. I think we're sort of still conditioned as a fan base to think this happens to us because we're bad and we don't deserve anything and we're absolutely awful. When in fact, it's just, it's one of those things like, and I just, I just hope you because you can sort of make it a bigger deal. If the fan base as a whole starts to get this sort of narrative that there is a problem and it's not just that we've been unlucky and there is something, that becomes a tangible thing. Mm. It's not just online noise. You speak it into existence. You speak it into existence. And all of a sudden, it's what all the commentators talk about when the games are St. James's Park or the, the, the locals are unhappy and there's pressure on Eddie Howe. But if it's only us putting that pressure on, that seems so counterproductive. Like, we've come so far in such a short space of time. And there's very good reasons for that. But just in the same way that we're now having a bit of a stuttering bit of form. And again, our seventh and are going away to a lower league side in the FA Cup. There is still every possibility we can have a really good season here. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just would like, just everyone just, it's just Christmas. Just, <laughs> just don't, let it, don't let it bother you just for a couple of days and then we'll see where we are. I think people can be just very reactionary, can't they? Twitter, Twitter has become the pub. So, twi- <laughs> but, but, so 
let me like let me qualify that so twitter has become where you you you're pissed off about the result and you just you, you maybe tweet something that's fairly reactionary fairly incendiary um and like most people on there are, are guilty of it um but where, whereas you might just say that in the pub after the game and like then it's not committed to the internet for the rest of time. It's just like a throwaway comment and you can, and somebody might be like, oh, come on, man. And you're like, yeah, okay. But like people read those comments in the mood they're in, not the mood they're sent in. So then it gets, it gets blown out of proportion and people retweet and all of that stuff. And um, I just think, I think stuff like that in circumstances like this is 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 extra bad i think it's probably quite bad anyway for society as a whole <laughs> but i think it's extra bad in circumstances like this because it does you know new, sky sports is 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 different to how it's sky sports news is different to how it used to be like five years ago it is it it's so all of these news cycles and i don't want to dig up sky sports but they're just looking for these sort of comments and stuff for the content machine yeah. to keep um, to keep going and to keep talking about things. And it, and you're right, it ends up being spoken into existence where it might really have just been a bit of a throwaway kind of, that was shite, we were shite, like something's got to change. Th- those are fair things to say, but when you say them online and they get taken out of context and they get taken out of proportion, then it becomes a, a bigger, more ridiculous thing. Well, just to, sorry, just to be really quickly, I saw a lot of people saying like, well, we might be sort of rational about this and the club might even be fine about this, but I guarantee you back back over back over in Saudi, there's going to be a lot of questions asked. And Why like, would you guarantee that? And can, you, can you imagine the conversation? Like, all right, Medad, how, how's it going? Oh, it's not great at the minute. Well, well, what's the lay of the land? Well, a seventh, a couple of points off the Champions League places. Uh, we went out of Europe to all those really big teams that we knew we couldn't beat anyway. Mm. And uh, Chelsea, you know Chelsea? Yeah, they put us out on penalties in the, in the cup where the, nobody's really bothered about oh right yeah sounds awful like the actual lay of the land is okay like once you sort of like just take a little step back from it i think the fixture list ahead that alex mentioned before does make me more worried that things might not be okay very soon and and you know maybe we will beat liverpool out of nowhere you know and maybe we will um beat the mackams and and get a point at villa and everything will be great again i, I would i would hold my hands up but yeah um i think nobody watches football or most sports to, to not have some sort of emotional attachment totally. to it. So you, you feel things, you watch sport to feel things and you are, you need a way to vent that out. And I agree, Twitter has become the place to vent and maybe not the most constructive. I learned this the hard way under our previous manager. I would regularly go and, and get angry and get into arguments with people about how bad things were because you know, whenever a result like that happens, you want someone to blame. And there was, mm. it was obvious things to blame back then. Whereas this time it's harder. You're looking for things to blame and you might say something that's not quite true. It's just a uh, spur of the moment. I don't like seeing players or manager getting direct criticism on, on the internet. I, I agree with that because they might see that and then who's that helping? It's not helping anyone. I think people are entitled to be annoyed, entitled to um, oh, yeah, yeah. to be critical of, of mistakes that were made and, and talk totally. about that. And that's definitely um, not what I'm saying. But yeah, I think I think people do take too far and, and those people tend to get muted by me these days. So it doesn't really matter and everyone should do the same. But um, it's a really hard one because I, I was really angry after the game and I've learned to just put my phone down, you know, and, and not do that. But, and everyone should do that. Just so easy, but, just so easy. But to protect, I, I don't think it's, we should be pretending everything's okay as well. I think it, it's right to kind of think, hang on, I'm a bit concerned here and and conversation. And I'm sure the players and manager are concerned, you know, deep down and, and Eddie Howe won't come out and say, I'm really worried about the performance levels. He'll come out and say, look, I thought things were a bit, weren't at the best we need to work on things and that's the the right way to approach it from his perspective but yeah, yeah it's, it's it's tough because emotionally after some of these results this season i've got re- almost reverted back to a, a time i, I thought had, 
I'd put to bed. But mm. it, it's it's hard. It's hard to watch your team lose games when you think we should be winning and and not really being able to pinpoint why it's not getting better. It, when all right, we did we did play in Chelsea on on Tuesday, so the fatigue probably is still there. But there was five days to prepare for this one, and we normally think that Eddie Howe and those lads respond. come up with a plan, and yeah. it didn't really look like we'd. I don't know what we were trying to do yesterday. So this is. There's, there's valid questions to be asked, although there's ways to ask them and most people probably don't immediately after the game ask them in the correct way if there is such a way. Just I will really quickly say, it, it is really hard to watch your football team lose, but it's especially hard when you've just spent an entire season pretty much forgetting what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Was it yeah. three defeats in the league all last season? Yeah. And it was all Four the, two away defeats. Two, yeah, and it was like Liverpool, Man City. And we've, you know, we came with that Liverpool defeat especially. No one was angry at the players or thinking mm. we got the system wrong. Mm. refused about the other stuff. I think... It's just, it's just a, it's just a bad run of form, and yeah. like I know yeah. we, we, we want to find other reasons for it, and we want to say, well, actually, it's pointless and point that, but like, there's still such a good side, and when the energy levels get back and they get some more bodies available, and the fixture list just becomes slightly less grueling, you're gonna see them have a really good second half of this season. Like I've, I've, I could not be more convinced of that than, than like not even in a touch wood thing. Maybe we'll get done by Liverpool, and God forbid we go out at the FA Cup to them lot. But we're not. There's gonna, there's a long way to go this season, and if if that happens, it'll be disastrous. And us and everybody else will sit there and we'll be like, this season has fallen apart. Quite rightly so, and people will be quite rightly angry and annoyed by it. But there is still such a long way to go in this season, and we're going to be competing for European spots with teams who have this kind of fixture build-up and this kind of congestion. Like, look at Villa. Like, they've been playing a reserve side in the Conference League pretty much every single week. They're going to get into the business end of that and want to take it seriously. And all of a sudden, you'll see their league form not spectacularly drop off because they're a very good side, but they're going to find it so hard to put those runs together that they've been doing this season. And we won't. Newcastle are seven points off fourth place um, as we speak. And if Man City win their game in hand, Newcastle will be eight points off, off fourth place, which is a fair old gap. And I think the the, the contrasting argument I'd like to make is y- you are all right. People should not be abusive online and not even, you know, don't even think that necessarily is the crux of your argument. It's just a chill out moment type of thing. I don't want to try and categorise fandom, but it's much harder to do that when you spend time and money going to these places. Like if you were at Bournemouth, yeah. Everton, Spurs and Luton, You've 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 put a hell of a lot of time and money and effort and all the rest of it to go much yeah. for that kind of. I don't I don't think any performance in its own right was unacceptable, but I think combined those four performances, if you'd been there at all of those games or even just some of them, um, you, you're going to want. It, it's as much the wondering, isn't it? It's the wondering of like what what has happened apart from fatigue. And it's like we talked about in part one. Why aren't they coming up with alternatives if they can't play a four three three high pressing system? Why are there not alternatives? before the 37th minute when Howe pushes that emergency button. Um, and I think one of the big concerns, and you touched on it there, Adam, is that we'd almost possibly just moved on from being shit. And we're not shit now, but we are shit away from home. I, I, I don't think anyone could make the argument, and, and I don't just include the Premier League. If you look at the performances at um, Chelsea, Paris, Dortmund, and Milan, it's very hard to make an argument Newcastle Castle deserve to win any of those games based on the balance of play. Um, and possibly should have lost them all. Chelsea being probably the only one where Chelsea were a little bit toothless. But Milan and Dortmund deserved to win. Paris deserved to win, and it was a, it was a fantastic effort. But they deserved to win based on based on the balance of play and the chances they missed and all that kind of stuff. So it, the, the 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 theories come out about why we're not as good. And yesterday in particular, like Sai said earlier in the show, 
it just looked like Luton wanted it more. Dan Byrne almost said it after the game. He just said Luton won every 50-50. They won every duel. They were first to every ball. And as a, as a fan, the kind of minimum that you expect as a fan, but then look at what Eddie Howe has done. So let's talk about all of the things Eddie Howe has done. As a fan, you really appreciate that Newcastle don't get bullied in games, that they um, give as much as the opposition, if not more. They fight for everything and... Yet it's great when Bruno Gamarage misses a chance at the front post and stands up and tries to get the fans going. But then you also get some fans saying, okay, Bruno, that's great. We love your passion. We love you. You're brilliant at home. You're one of the best players in the Premier League. But how about you sit in front of your back four when you're playing six for Newcastle United? How about you don't fly off and press the centre forward and leave a big gap behind you? These things cumulatively across the game start to wind people up more and more and more. And I hate doing this. Okay, I hate doing this. <laughs> but Luton are okay. They're, they're bad. They'll probably get relegated, but they're not a joke. You know, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they're, they will. They will win other games this season. They are, they are called the Hatters. Yeah, <laughs> but they will win games this season. They create chances. They defend well. They're physical. They're, everyone's together. They're, they're they're a unit. Okay. So so other teams will go there and lose this season. They might even have a chance of staying up. I don't know, but Luton hadn't kept a clean sheet and didn't hadn't looked like keeping a clean sheet until yesterday. Uh, Luton had won two out of, what, 15, 16 Premier League games or, or more, 17 games until yesterday. Two of 17. Um, and, and Luton had battered Newcastle United and should have won by more. And I'll just finish this point by saying, and this isn't really in relation to the overall point, but I just want to get it in there. I kind of looked at the Luton reaction yesterday uh, online, got away from the Newcastle United online discourse, and... Um, Luton obviously kind of praised Newcastle a lot, and when you've just beaten the teams, it's easier to praise them. But they said the banner that War Flags had done in support of their captain was great and a class touch, and I agree, and that's always going to, you know, make an opposition set of fans like you. They said the Newcastle fans never stop singing, really good away end. That's great. But they also said, and this was a common theme, they also said they really respected the way that, unlike every single other Premier League club so far, Newcastle's players didn't feign injury and didn't throw themselves to the ground and didn't waste time. And my question is, why the fuck not? <laughs> like, the, the, seriously, these are the things that we celebrated this team for. We were for. so good at it yeah, last season. Yeah, we were season. so good at it last season. We've, we've lost that. We've lost, we've lost that. You almost need a swagger and a confidence to do those things and get away with them. And, and, and it's almost like we, 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 we kind of go in there and, and, and I'm not saying Newcastle doing any of those things would have changed the course of that game. I don't think it would. But it is striking to see a team praise us for that. And I think a, a club like Luton will always be, you know, it, it's a small ground yeah. in a working class area. They're always going to be, you know, the, the, hate the simulation aspect. And most football fans hate it, let's be honest. But we celebrated it last season. We really talked it up. And it's just gone. So to bring it back to the, the point about how fans are reacting, it's just so unrecognisable. Yeah. People lose their shit more because they're just yeah. like, what the fuck is this? What happens to our bunch of earnest triers who, who, who were able to outthink and outfight opponents and have the, have the necessary quality to get something from the game? All of it has just fallen off a cliff. And, and I think people, because of the, the just... The, I don't have the answers. Eddie Howe doesn't seem to have the answers about what has happened and why apart from the other mitigating factors that we keep talking about every podcast and tiredness and fatigue and lack of options to change the, the starting 11. So people are always, in, in times of uncertainty, they're always just going to get angry, I think, because they can't, they can't explain it. No one can explain mm -hmm. it. And, and I don't want to minimise the fact that this is one of the great fall-offs I've ever seen from a football club in terms of away performances. Because Newcastle were the, I think they were the second or third best away team in yeah, the Premier League record. last yeah, season. That's, that's extraordinary. Well, it's the drop-off is similarly extraordinary, and I think that's why people are, are angrier than ever about it. But you are right, Adam. Newcastle 
could still have a very good season. And, I, and, and what I like about the January is one, we should get players back. Two, we can sign some players. But three, it, everything they do is consequential. And I, I often feel like when Eddie Howe has been up against it and they've needed a, re, a result and a reaction, you, you would always get it, mm. nearly always get it. We're going to leave it there for part three of the show. Some more adverts coming up. Speak to you after these. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For part three of the show, we're going to open with a discussion about Eddie Howe's uh, double substitution in tactical change yesterday. Charlotte, what do you want to say? Yeah, so I guess um, for all that we're saying, Eddie Howe doesn't have any answers and he's not doing anything and he's not changing anything. We did actually see that yesterday. Yes, you've talked about how it's panic button, but part of it was um, propelled by the fact that Lascelles was clutching his groin. Assume it's groin fatigue again, <laughs> just like Isaac had. Um yeah, so Lascelles has to come off. Sven Botman comes on. Lewis Miley then comes off. And I think there's a couple of things there um, that we'll talk about. You know, Lewis Miley, Townsend kind of drifts away from him and, and, and manages to get into an area of space and, and scores that goal. So although I don't want to dig Lewis Miley out for that necessarily, that's sort of, I, I have to wonder if um, him coming off is related to that. And then, and if so, that feels a bit harsh. He's only a kid. Um but we did um, we did then change our formation. So we kind of went, and I was trying to work it out for ages. I was watching them, like not ages, but like a good few minutes once it once it had changed. And eventually, we ended up in a kind of we normally played like a four three three ish, and then and then it sort of ended up with like a four two three one, and which is which is different. We we don't play like that, and I can kind of see what's trying to be done there and but to your point about Bruno like you, you still you still there were still acres of space in the midfield and 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 I so I guess what I'm trying to say is that we made a tactical change and we don't normally make a tactical change we certainly don't normally make a tactical change so with 37 minutes and then and then in the second half we were better we were we were better than we were in the first half I'm not saying we were brilliant because we lost we we still didn't we sort of had a, a like is that goal really tight offside that would have that would have made everything very different I think but I, I I think for all that we've talked about Eddie Howe's unwillingness to make substitutions unwillingness to kind of change the game he is recognizing that he has to and he is trying to do something it made us better and and they said this in our whatsapp chat it didn't make us better enough to, to to win the game or to even really influence the game that much. You need to be better, Yeah, we need to be better, Yeah. Um, but 
it just, I, I don't want us to sit here and be like, what, no, we've got no answers. We're, we're start, I think we're starting to try and see people trying to find the answers is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to end it positively. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think um, just on, on Miley in particular, it is a mistake. He, he has cost us that goal. Yeah. He, he lost his man. You know, it, it's the first mistake. Really, he's really unlucky with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's not like Townsend gets five yards on him. It's just the ball happens to fly directly yeah, he, towards he gets, him. He drifts towards the ball. It's yeah. a mistake. He's 17. He's absolutely allowed that. And it's the first mistake we've seen him make and he shouldn't dwell on it at all. And I don't think he was hooked off because he... Oh, he absolutely not. No. I think... Uh, Howard already decided, right, yeah. Isaac's coming on at half time. We'll have to bring Miley off and we're going to try and be a bit more positive because we're not really creating anything. Albeit Wilson should have scored twice by that point because he has two <laughs> really good chances. Oh, was it Cher at the back post? There's a header. Yeah, it was Cher at the back post. Um, and then the ball into Wilson where he, he misses from three yards or whatever. Um, but other than that, we didn't really look like creating and after they'd scored, we were getting worse. So uh, the changes were coming anyway. He used the opportunity of the injury to, you know, why not give Isaac 55 minutes instead of 45 yeah. minutes? No point That's not that. a bad thing to do necessarily. You're right, Charlotte. Until it didn't really improve us until maybe about the 75th minute when we started to have a little bit of a go. Um, yeah. Isaac was in the 10 in this sort of weird 4 2 3 1, but yeah. I didn't really notice him getting involved in the game. We didn't, it didn't suit him at all. I don't, I don't know if that had been practiced. I don't know if it was a panic change, as Dodd says, but it didn't really work. Uh, you know, Luton just aren't that good. We, we had some chances and probably could have scored uh, if we'd pushed a bit harder. But um, And you're right, at least he did try something. At least he thought early enough, right, this isn't going to work. We, we need to score now. We need to try and do something and let's have Wilson and Isaac on the pitch. That gives us the best chance to score in theory. But it, we just lost all cohesion. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Gordon looks spent again. And, and I just don't Not know, I don't know what else we can do there. Um, you know, he made further changes. He brought Tino on probably a bit later than I would have liked to see. You know, I thought the fullbacks were... were yeah. Trippy was a bit better yesterday, but, you know, Byrne was, was offering nothing and we needed to get forward. We needed more bodies um, attacking and we needed to be attacking more quickly. So the... <laughs> I've, I've, I've brought myself onto the point I wanted to make, which is that yesterday was the first time that I was getting frustrated with the, the ever-reliable lads, which I'm going to include my, my absolute favourite, Sean Longstaff, in this, because watch, <laughs> Who are watching you? A, a team need to score a goal against a team that are going to just get 11 men behind the ball as quickly as possible is so frustrating with how slowly we were building up. And that is partly down to Sean Longstaff, partly down to Dan Byrne and largely down to Miggy, who was really, really frustrating yesterday. Now with Miggy, we all love him. He plays with a smile on his face and he's done so much for this team since we signed him for 20 million. You know, it seems like a different lifetime when we actually bought Miggy, but watching him get the ball in good positions and then cut back inside every single time. And we, we talk about it every week, but it becomes frustrating because then games like this, where the other team are just going to try and block, get as many bodies in the box. You don't have time to do that. And it's really frustrating to watch the same with Longstaff. He gets the ball in really good positions. And you know what? There was one really, really good through ball. I think he plays to Bruno towards yeah. the end of the game. Why aren't we seeing more of that? Instead, it's, it's a lot of sideways passes. Every sideways pass is an error in a game like that because you let the other team get back in. And Dan Byrne getting the ball. And there's this free kicks where you get it. And it ends up back with Dubravka loads, ends up yeah. back with share loads. It's like, why are we going back to the center half so quickly? And yes, once you've let them get back in, that's the only choice you've got because there's 11 men, there's no gaps. You've got to go back across the back line really slowly. And again, maybe it's fatigue. Maybe, I don't know what's happened, but those players in particular, you notice them more in games like this. And I love Sean Longstaff, and I think he's brilliant for your Arsenal at home, for your Man United at home, for Chelsea at home, whatever. Games like that where you need extra legs and hard work and cutting out balls, etc. Where you need to be breaking teams down. You don't want Sean Longstaff in the team. You don't want Dan Byrne in the team. You don't want Miggy in the team. They're not productive enough. And that's 
they get exposed in this kind of game. I just, first on the system change, I did actually think it was actually quite a smart move. Like the idea to put Isak in as a 10, we weren't retaining the ball anywhere near that area of the pitch. It was going up to Callum Wilson. He was getting very rarely bullied, which we virtually never say, but it was simply because mm. the bodies around him, If he, even if he was winning a duel against one, there was another one straight away. Um, the, the change I thought was designed to address pretty much everything everybody says here. Like mm. Bruno doesn't sit particularly well in front right. of the back four, in front of a six. So we dropped two players in there. So the long staff wasn't as inclined to move out into the wide areas. Bruno, and if Bruno did go, it was much easier for him to cover over. The width as well with Miggy, he cuts back inside too often. When you start playing that as a three across that area, it forces them to be a lot wider naturally because then you stretch Luton. And even if he is going to come inside, it doesn't mean he's doing so from a much wider starting position anyway, which again, it was better. It wasn't better enough, but I did think the changes he made pretty much do address everything that was glaringly wrong about that half. Just on just on the individual players though, like we did not look after the ball against Chelsea. I mean, me and you were stood mm. there and we were saying that I've never seen us take less care with the ball. And yeah. I mean, every time we were trying to force stuff all the time when passes just weren't on. and Terrible it, first touches, like just yeah, couldn't... Every, every single idea, to say, well, we'll just try that and we were giving it straight back to them. I actually didn't mind too much that we seemed a little bit more... It's hard to watch when you desperately want them to go forward and get a goal and you know how good they are and how incisive they can be. But I thought a lot of the time yesterday, Longstaff especially being incredibly ponderous on it, I was just glad he wasn't trying... He wasn't giving the ball away as easy as we have been against Chelsea. They're in a, such a weird position at the minute because when they try and be really proactive and on the front foot we're giving it away too easily but yesterday when they try and be a bit more sort of conservative and they try and sort of be a bit more considered in what they're doing they look they're lacking cutting edge and i don't really know what the solution is at the minute but like it both results are so frustrating to watch two different circumstances one nil up at chelsea you want it to be a bit more conservative you want it to keep a hold of the ball better one nil down to luton you do need to start trying things i just think we got them both the wrong way around because yeah. i agree because the chelsea one was frustrating we were giving the ball away we weren't hanging on to it at all and then yesterday we had plenty of the ball just no no edge yeah. no no ideas if i'm if i'm eddie Howe, listening to a conversation like this he wouldn't listen to this conversation, obviously. Sorry, Eddie. I'm really I'd sorry, Eddie. Do. I'd be, nice man. Merry Christmas. I'm trying to Hi, be Eddie. fair to him, and you're just shouting at all of us, saying, well, there's no one fucking else, is there? You can, <laughs> exactly. you can talk about where to put Longstaff or Miggy and what fixtures. And to be fair to Miggy, I think he's a player who has... Maybe this is your point, Sean, that I'm taking from you, um, but I've just returned it to you. Um, I think Miggy does best when he has pressure on him. He has competition for places... He, he almost needs that. However, and as well as he's done, I would like, Eddie, if you're listening, to introduce a fine system. But whenever Miguel Moran... <laughs> They've got the wheel. ...receives the ball at feet in the penalty area, if he turns around and takes it out of the opposition penalty area, fine. Fine. Because I cannot watch that man. <laughs> like, we have we have the ball to feet so... Uh, infrequently in the box in these away games that every time we fucking get it Miguel Moron decides to go backwards out of the box and there's that um, still against Chelsea where he just has to lay the ball across to Anthony Gordon uh, to make it 2-0 or take a shot on his right foot and he decides to go outside of the box with it and it's killing me inside uh, it was me I said this to you yesterday about Miggy um, he, he plays his best football when he's just been dropped and he comes back into the mm. team with a yeah. point to prove okay, and yeah. he, he, when he has a bit of pressure on him he seems to perform a bit better when he knows when he knows he can't get dropped or hooked off, no matter what he does, and I'm not saying he's not, deliberately not, 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 feel, not feeling Diallo yeah. breathing down his neck. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not like saying that. He, um, he, he's not trying because he knows he's not going to get dropped, but he doesn't have that pressure. He doesn't have that kind of. Well, if I don't score here, I might not be in the team next week. Whereas when that is the case, 
if I don't score or play well here, I'm not going to be in the team next week. It does. It just changes the way players yeah, perform. And I'm, I'm seeing that in him. I'm seeing that in Longstaff. Maybe not Dan Burns. I thought Livermore should have been on way, way earlier. And we talked about this all last season. There's games where Dan Burns, you don't need him at left back. Yes, he's, he's probably a much better defender than most, but we didn't need defenders yesterday. We needed players who can actually get run forward with the ball. Mm. And Dan Burns isn't one of those. Um, but yeah. The, la- the lack of competition comes back to bite us in these situations because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Miggy will play the next three games because there's nobody else. And again, I'm not saying he doesn't try, but I think the mentality is different when you know you can't be dropped. The thing about Miggy that I find really funny is, um, well, yeah, well, yeah. So he's like, you know, I love Miggy. He smiles all the time. It's like, why is that the marker of like <laughs> <laughs> the player? Of the, but it's not just you; it's everyone, no, and I've right. done it too. Yeah, we like, all say it. it's like, uh, like Sven Botman never smiles, and he's mint. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe we want less smiling. <laughs> I feel like Jacob Murphy's key attribute to this squad is not what actually does on the pitch; it's the levels he increases. Yeah, the beaming in, smile he's got. Oh well, yeah, the levels he increases in he other. He also smiles a lot. Yeah. Jacob Murphy's probably the smiliest footballer, <laughs> possibly on earth. But you're right, yeah. we leave it there then. Thanks so much to you three for that, uh, for that excellent podcast. And thanks to everybody who is listening. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, we'll be back after Nottingham Forest. That's a big game. Uh, on Tuesday, come and join us on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. We'd love to have you along with us. It keeps this show alive and going. Your patronage. Speak to you all very soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>